Welcome to the Ask Zach Show. I'm your host, Zach Childs. I've spent the last 30 years working in the music industry here in Nashville, Tennessee, during which I've done everything from touring with major artists like Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood to playing the nastiest dive bars or even the occasional wedding. This show is all about barreling down the rabbit hole on all things guitar and the music we love. We will cover the legendary players, gear insights, and even some interviews along the way. I hope you enjoy. To support the show, follow the links in the description to find out about my Patreon page. Or go to my store at AskZach.com to pick up a coffee mug or t-shirt. Now, let's dive in. Well, hello friends and welcome to Ask Zach. I hope you're doing well today. Today, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm blown away. I have a, a dear old friend named Bill McCumber who gave me his 1967 Bigsby Telecaster that uh, he sent off to uh, Bill Lawrence in the late 1970s to have it modified with custom wound pickups. And uh, then later, switched the uh, the neck to what looks like either a 72 or 73 neck highly customized personalized guitar that a very good friend of mine and mentor decided to uh, to give to me so uh, i'm gonna tell the story about bill mccumber uh, and just his friendship and how much he means to me gonna tell the story about the the guitar and the modifications that bill lawrence did to it and uh, yeah, and then also gonna show a, uh, you know, cause I have a, a stock 67 Tele, gonna kind of show the differences and also in the difference in how the guitars have worn, even though, uh, you know, Bill, you know, really babied this guitar, but, uh, but he played a lot of gigs. So uh, you'll see that. And uh, of course, we'll end with the uh, Book Nook segment that we haven't done in a while. So we're coming back around to Book Nook. So while you're thinking about it, if you haven't done it already, then please go down in the corner and hit subscribe if you've been enjoying the show. If you've already done that, then I appreciate you supporting the channel. There's multiple ways. The best is Patreon. And to find out more, there's a link in the description. Also, of course, you've got uh, tip jar information or you can go to askzack.com and you can find merch like mugs and t-shirts and all those things. 
All right, well, let's dive in. So let's let's start off with Bill McCumber. So uh, who gave me this beautiful guitar? So uh, I grew up in South Texas in a little town called Kingsville, and you know, I started playing in bands by the time I was in high school and such. And uh, you know, probably after high school, early college, probably right before I moved to Nashville, I ended up meeting a steel guitar player named Bill McCumber. And Bill is a fabulous steel player that is still playing gigs in his 80s and uh, a wonderful person, uh, a model American. And uh, he, uh, he kind of took me under his wing in a real kind of subtle, wonderful way. One, he, uh, you know, of course I was, you know, 18, 19 years old when we met and I was way over playing. I was way into Albert Lee and Ricky Skaggs and I think I even had a B-bender by this point. And I was just yanking on the B-bender like crazy and he kind of, you know, in a subtle way would, uh, you know, kind of push me in the direction of playing maybe a little bit more of the melody or playing some different things. And uh, what really, really impacted me was he lent me a big stack of records and he said, here's some stuff you ought to listen to. And the first record on the stack was Jimmy Bright and Speedy West, Two Guitars Country Style. Then there was Roy Buchanan's first album. There was Jimmy Bryant's Country Cabin Jazz. There was, uh, you know, Joe Maphis and Merle Travis and Chet Atkins. And uh, one of my favorites, and this is kind of an odd one, was a Jesse McReynolds electric mandolin album. So Jesse McReynolds was a cross-picking bluegrass mandolin mandolinist. And uh, Jesse had done this album where he's playing a Kent uh, electric mandolin through an echoplex doing kind of the dotted eighth note thing, kind of like, uh, like Grady Martin and Albert Lee and, and John Jorgensen have all kind of done this trick where they have the delay that's like a dotted eighth and it's the same volume as the original note. And when he's doing that and playing melodies, he's doing like buckaroo and different things like that. So I had not been exposed to, you know, to the, hardly any of those players. And so, uh, and Roy Nichols, there was a, you know, best damn fiddle player, you know, the Merle Haggard tribute album to Bob Wills was in there and heard things like Tiny Moore and, uh, you know, and Roy Nichols and all these guys. And so Bill McCumber, huge influence, um, you know, through the years, he's had a lot of different cool guitars. And when I would, when I'd moved up here to Nashville and I would go down to visit my family when they were still living back in, in Kingsville, you know, he would let me borrow things like he had a 55 Strat that he let me borrow. And so, you know, I have a photo of, of me. In fact, I'll post it. It's, uh, this, is, this is me playing his 55 Strat when I was in, in college and it just flown down. And uh, I think it's this PV Session 400 with a JBL 15 in it that I'm using. But uh, yeah, and Bill was just always encouraging to me, always kind. And I think one of the big things I learned from Bill was Bill was always and is always a true country gentleman. He knows how to treat people. He knows how to treat women. He knows how uh, to handle himself in public. And, uh, you know, he was the assistant city manager of the, uh, the city that he was in for uh, quite a while. And uh, just a really, really 
great guy uh, and, a, and a big influence on me. Uh, so it, it came as a big surprise when he contacted me a couple weeks ago and he said, Zach, I haven't really played guitar in a long time and, uh, and you know, I really want you to have my, my old telly. And I was just blown away and I said, oh, I'd be honored to have your Bigsby telly. So uh, he, he boxed it up and, uh, and it arrived just a couple days ago. And uh, here it is. And so this, you know, of course, has been modified. But here I'm going to show a picture of, of uh, first, let's, let's show a picture of Bill, you know, from a, probably, this is probably about 20 years ago. And this is a, a, a gig where uh, Bill and I were playing together in uh, Kingsville, Texas. I think this is at the, the old Mook's Lo Moose Lodge or Elks Lodge. I can't remember which one, but here we'll show that. So, uh, yeah, so he, he said he wanted to give me this telly. And so Bill bought this telly when it was new in, uh, it's either a 67 or 68. And the way we tell is by this picture I'm gonna show you right now. So here you can see Bill and looking very dapper uh, with his hat on and he's you know sitting on a chair and you can see his amps up on a chair too and and you can see that's a you know a Bigsby Telly with a maple cap neck and uh, so of course this has the the route you know in between the pickups uh, which definitely says it's pre-1969 and having a maple cap and the CBS logo means that it's you know either a 67 or 68 Telly. So he got that guitar from Bob Clausen at Clausen's Music in, uh, at the time they were located in Annaville, but now they're in Corpus Christi and they have been since the 1970s. Bought it from Bob and uh, then later on, as he was playing through the 60s and 70s, he, uh, he contacted Bill Lawrence, the uh, famed you know, pickup designer who, of course, has designed stuff for Fender and Gibson and on and on and on. And, of course, had his own line of guitars that were built by Moradaira in Japan and uh, you know, just all sorts of different pickups used by Reggie Young and you know, Roy Buchanan, all sorts of cats. So, and, of course, Bill was very connected with the... Uh, talking about Bill Lawrence. He was connected with the steel guitar community and made steel guitar pickups. And also he and George Lewis had L&L sales, which later on became George L's uh, solderless cables after uh, Bill Lawrence and George Lewis kind of parted ways. But uh, of course, Bill Lawrence was also part of the solderless cable thing that came along, which of course Fender had done back in the 50s. But uh, all right. Now we'll get back to Bill McCumber and Bill Lawrence. So Bill McCumber contacts Bill Lawrence and says, hey, I have this telly and it's, I'm having you know, feedback issues and uh, probably the pickups had gone microphonic because they were, you know, they were lacquer potted back in the late 60s instead of being wax potted. And so you know, he was playing the guitar a lot and probably a lot of that lacquer flaked off and it was just starting to, you know, make noise, especially being anywhere near an amplifier. So um, Bill Lawrence had to think about it for a little bit, but then he contacted Bill McCumber and said, send me the guitar. And so, so one Bill sent the telly to another Bill. And so this is what he did. So let's, let's start off with 
So first off, you know, you can obviously tell he changed out the control plate. So this is a, you know, so Bill Lawrence custom, you know, fabricated this uh, stylized control plate, use these different knobs, and it has these two switches. And the two switches are really interesting. The way it's wired is with both switches down, it's the both pickups, both pickups are on. If I just have this one up and this one down, then it's just the neck pickup. If I have just this one down, which corresponds to this pickup, then this is just the bridge pickup. And then if both of them are up, it's out of phase. So here, let's, let's just show that real quick. So let's start off with uh, neck pickup. pickup so this is both pickups this is both switches down this is just the bridge pickup and then with both switches up you get them out of phase Turn the echo off. So, so first off you have the, the change in the control plate and wiring, but looking underneath it, uh, the uh, the cavity was not enlarged or changed in any way, so I thought that was that was nice. Then, of course, you have this neck pickup that's been added, and to show this off, I'm going to pull off the scratch plate. There we go. And so, what Bill Lawrence did was he just routed out a shallow bit of the wood, uh, so he didn't go deep. And then you can see this is a piece of aluminum that the pickup is epoxied to, and then the plate is screwed in. <laughs> so pretty in, ingenious way of, of, of doing that without having to be super invasive. It's here that I need to note that uh, one thing I thought that was interesting, and, and I don't, uh, yeah, it, it just reminded me, I have a couple of these Bill Lawrence sound hole pickups, and of course they, uh, they look very similar in the same uh, shape and such, but uh, that's just kind of fun. You can see here. All right, so that's that modification. Then he changed out this plate. So this is not the original uh, bridge plate that was on the guitar. This is a piece of aluminum that uh, Bill Lawrence fabricated. And then this pickup is epoxied to that. And so underneath this, there's no routing done at all. So it's, it's completely stock underneath this plate. And this is the original Jazzmaster style, you know, bridge on the thimbles and everything. And then of course this is completely stock. So, you know, the, the real changes are of course, you know, there was this amount of routing that was done. Uh, you have, you know, of course this pickup added, this pickup added, this plate changed out, this plate changed out, the wiring changed out. Uh, also, just uh, just so you can see, this is the original pick guard, 
and uh, that was, you know, of course, modified to go on this guitar. But then after Bill got it, Bill McCumber, he decided that he liked the look of the Blackguard on it better than the uh, better than the white. So, so that it would go with the control plate, which I completely get that. So, that's what old. Uh, so Bill got the guitar back, used it, and then uh, you know Bill McCumber got more and more into steel guitar, and he didn't play this guitar as much, and it started kind of spending more time in the case. Then, in the '90s, there was a, a Nashville guitarist that we don't know who it was, but uh, he came into Clausen's Music and Corpus Christi, and he traded in a uh, early '70s Tele, and Bill McCumber really liked the neck on it better than his old neck. And uh, you know, with all these modifications, you have to remember that a 67 Tele was not considered collectible in the late 70s, early 80s when these mods were done. And even in the early 90s, a 67 Tele was still like a $500 guitar. I mean, it was not collectible because it was not pre-CBS. And so things made after 1965 really didn't become collectible until like the mid to late 90s, unless you had like a Paisley Tele or something like that, something that was really out of the ordinary. So he decided he liked this other neck better. And so he asked Bob Clausen, hey, can we just swap necks? And he said, sure. So that's what they did. So somewhere out there, there's a 72 or 73 uh, Telecaster that's got a 67 or 68 neck on it. So anyway, this neck's in great shape. You can see it's got all the lacquer on it and... Uh, you know, frets, got the original frets, and uh, there's no chipping or anything. You can see here where it had a, a second string tree at some point. Um, you know, the markings at the heel of the neck are so faded that you can't really tell. But with the, the logo the way it is, the fact that it's, uh, you know, a maple neck, not a maple cap, that's what, you know, kind of narrows it down to... Uh, I mean, it could be as early as 1969, but I, I don't think so. Um, yeah, it's probably a 72 or 73, so. But before they started adding the S, you know, for 70s and the uh, the serial number here on the, on the headstock. So, yeah, it's a great guitar. And I wanted to show, uh, I'm gonna make sure this is muted. One thing that, that's kind of fun is I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this pit guard kind of back on here some so we can do kind of a comparison because I have a stock, a mostly stock 67 Tele that was my first vintage guitar. And here she is. So by looking at these, you can see what this guitar would, would have originally had on it. So originally it would have had that this, so this pit guard, you know, this pit guard would have looked like this. It wouldn't have been routed out. And also notice how the uh, the color of the pit guard is different. And you can see where, you know, Bill McCumber was playing a lot of gigs. He babied his guitar and he was always good to his equipment. But you can tell there's been, a, it's been around a lot of cigarette smoke because I mean, this was played a lot in the 60s, 70s and 80s in bars. Uh, and even the, even the finish on the guitar, see how yellowed it is compared to this one. So you can see this one was played harder, you know, and, and less kindly by the former owner. And you can see it's like missing finish, but then it's not as, as you know, dark. And that just, I think it has to do mainly with 
the uh, the amount of smoke that it probably saw. So, yeah. So this would have had the same kind of control plate, the same pit guard, all the same features, and it would have had this same type of neck on it. You know, this maple cap neck. And uh, yeah. So this is a really really cool. Uh, gift from from Bill McCumber and Bill I thank you. This is really special and I will treasure it forever and ever All right, let's put this down And let's do a little book nook. So here we have another book that unfortunately is uh, You know kind of goes in and out of print right now. It's it's not in print, but if that changes I will certainly say so this is Fender the Inside Story by Forrest White. And this is a, you know, of course I'm a huge Fender aficionado and uh, Forrest White was an incredibly important person as, uh, you know, kind of the, uh, the you know, factory manager, Fender, he says here on the cover, it says former general manager. So he, uh, he joined in the, uh, the mid fifties and he was incredibly important for just making the company run smoother and uh, having better inventory controls and, you know, having his hand in designs and, and such. Uh, and so he was, you know, with, with the company, uh, you know, up until, of course, CBS selling. He was with it a little bit after that, and then he left because he wasn't happy with what CBS was doing. Uh, he, of course, also went on to work with Leo at Music Man. And, uh, and there are a lot of... This, the book is mainly talking about the Fender era, you know, mid-50s to, to mid-60s. And, uh, you know, there's a lot talking about the, the tweed amps, pedal steels, all sorts of things. There's great stories about uh, Jimmy Bryant. And uh, my favorite is one where uh, Jimmy... Uh, goes in the employee entrance with a beer and Forrest, you know, kicks him out. And, uh, <laughs> that's funny. And this book has been, uh, you know, quoted in other Fender books. So this, this is one where, you know, a lot of information has been taken from this and used in other, other books. Um, the one negative thing I will say about this is it suffers from the fact that Forrest White felt the need to um, set the record straight. And instead of just kind of saying, you know, this is what happens, he has to go into, you know, other people say, you know, this happened, but this is what, how it really happened. And so um, you can tell that there were uh, inner rivalries in Fender and partially for kind of just kind of everyone wanting to be close to Leo and uh, people I think even at the time could tell how important Leo was and everyone wanted to be everyone wanted to be closer than than anyone else to Leo Fender and and uh, I can kind of get it but uh, it is a great book and it is very much worth reading Forrest White Fender the Inside Story and it's got a lot of great uh, you know kind of diagrams uh, patent, you know, drawings, and, uh, it's got, you know, a lot of things about wirings and get, and pickups and the magnets used. It's, there's a lot of great information in this. All right, guys, well, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And again, I have to thank Bill McCumber 
for this beautiful 67 Tele. Thank you, Bill. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Ask Zach podcast. If you want to dive deeper, check out my website, askzach.com, to find more articles and further info on each episode. And remember, it is the support from you, the listener, that keeps the show going. Thank you, friends.